0: Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor and Chief Film Critic. Joined, as always, by Ann Thompson, this time from her bedroom in Cannes. We are sitting on the bed. (laughs) But we are actually on a bed in Cannes, and it's it's about 1 a.m. here, a little past that, which is the perfect time by Cannes standards for talking in serious ways about the film industry. No, it's not.
1: We should be (laughs) out at the Grand having a drink talking to people about what's going on. And well, we are so dedicated to our work and our obligation because we have put this thing off for several days <laughs> that we tore ourselves away from the potential fun we could be having well, and came back to the room. And relative tomorrow we saw a morning movie. we have 8.30 movies. We'll see another movie.
0: We squeezed in a rosé with a friend of ours in the film biz before we came back here, so we are freshly... Uh, filled with intel and, and all kinds of ideas about things that are going on here. And you know the one thing that I really like about Cannes is that it's so dense that in a day or two, you can feel like you've absorbed so much That's true. about what's going on now. What is the zeitgeist of how people watch movies, how people talk about movies, and what are some of the anxieties that the film industry is facing? I mean, this whole thing about Amazon, for example, has people coming from multiple directions. It's interesting,
1: because we were talking to one of Amazon's distribution competitors, a conventional theatrical distributor, and in the course of one year, and I mean, we've all observed this, you know, I mean, we were at Sundance when Roy Price first brought in Ted Hope and and Bob Burney to to take over the the film side, and now um, a a year later at Sundance, they bought like six movies, and now they're here at Cannes with five films, in the selection and the um, presence of a big pocketed player like that, including the opening night movie, including Woody Allen's Cafe Society. So let's talk about this. Cafe Society Nice reviews. You liked it so, very well. Um, more than me, actually. More. Yeah, I mean, more it's, than it's, I did. And but I have recognized how well made it is. And and so so it's forth. a it's
0: it's a fun Woody movie that's not doing anything you haven't seen before. It's cobbled it's pretty together pretty from a lot
1: of his old elements. Sure,
0: but that's just the way that he does movies now. But it, I mean, it looks good. I mean, Vittorio
1: Storaro delivers, and yeah. it's his first digital movie. Yeah. Which is good, but
0: he he said he, you heard it at this lunch that he made this movie for thirty million dollars. No, 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 no. Right? He
1: denied that he made it for thirty. Thirty was the figure that I've been told by some very good sources. reliable sources, and he was willing to cop to high twenties and used the line, which was rather remarkable, actually, if you think about it, that he couldn't raise. Thirty million for a movie. If he sold his wife on the open market, he actually said well, that. Well, he's a great inventor of
0: one-liners who doesn't have a great moral compass. But uh, but he's as- under
1: duress. He's been chastised by his son again, who can't seem to abide. Uh, a cover story in The Hollywood Reporter. Before we
0: get to that, though, this, we were talking about the Amazon thing. So, in relation to Cafe Society, very expensive by Woody Allen standards. But
1: it's the scandal that has overshadowed the movie mm. is part of what they're upset about. Right. This is supposed to be a great big launch Right. Of a very and successful need, movie. And they need
0: it to really work to yes, show they because do. they spent so much money on it and they did did
1: well they did well so he you know that's how they got it away from sony classics which you know would have had it but they never would have spent that kind of money and it went over budget and he had to put his own money into it and so forth um
0: but you're suggesting that the the scandal which at this point is basically a six-month uh commitment because every time a woody allen movie comes up ronan farrow could write another op-ed
1: I don't know is. if that's true. I, I think that it, it has been true that he cannot stand his father getting any kudos, and he'll he'll come. He's he's done this before. Um the, the conversation the is whether it sticks. So, yeah,
0: I mean, does it? I mean, George Marker, Clooney
1: basically took it over in the in the in the news cycle already today with Money Monster press conference, calculated. Conversation so he, so he about has that power. Donald Trump
0: He can he can get political and hijack even the the most zeitgeisty thing in there at the moment. But um, an
1: audible I, gasp went up from from the people in the room when he said Donald Trump will not be president
0: because his delivery is so good. He's an actor. And so is Donald Trump. But he actually, I think,
1: don't you think that George has some political bona fides that people actually sort of take him seriously on the liberal side of the equation?
0: He's great at enunciating certain things in the way that a lot of actors who tend to get political don't say what's going to happen with Sean Penn next Friday when he does his press conference or something like that. So there's a few unsold
1: movies.
0: So people can probably tell just the way that we ramble through this stuff, just how. Things shift so much can. it can. Well, wins, it's chaotic. You know,
1: it gets it's you, chaotic. you We're juggling schedule. You know, you and I were just talking. You're not. You're not going to see this movie. I didn't get to see that right. movie. You. You have this sort of fantasy of, of a jigsaw puzzle schedule of, of all the things you're going to cram in, and all the but then you have to write them, and it takes longer to write them than you thought. Longer right. for me than it takes for you, apparently.
0: Well, you know, it's just the trick of the trade, but there is this kind of visceral illustration. Through the difficulty of seeing as much as you want to see, of just how cluttered the marketplace is, and how difficult it is for anybody who's tasked with the job of getting these movies seen outside of a bubble like Cannes to actually do that, which is why we have IFC and Amazon with the movies that they pre-bought, Kino pre-bought movie we still haven't seen yet called uh, Slackjaw that's screening tomorrow, on the, and and they hadn't seen it when they bought
1: it. Slack Bay.
0: Slack Bay from Bruno Dumont with with Juliette Binoche, and so there there is something about kind of just the uncertainty of this festival that shows you how much it's disconnected from the way that movies actually exist outside of this
1: place. You no, know, there's this very strange um, disconnect between all these movies that are actually being bought and whether or not, I mean, the, the, the thing that still has to be shown is how they are playing and how critics are receiving them and whether they have any awards potential or whether there's really going to be any purchase for them in the Fall Film Festival you know, uh, Derby, you know, there's, a, there's only so many slots for movies that are going to really go the the distance. But it's
0: early enough in the year that it can be a barometer for what these power players should do rather than what will happen. So if a movie bombs here and it's not say a completely terrible movie, Maybe it's a sign that somebody just needs to do a reboot in the next few months. They have
1: that, or put it huh? off until the following. Or put event. it off,
0: or decide let's not spend money on awards campaigns. Or send
1: it out in the summer. I mean, you know, uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna see whether the the hands of stone is worth is worth checking or out.
0: loving, which is focus features. A movie with Jeff Nichols could be an awards movie.
1: Could not be an awards movie. So we have the new focus team. Here in Cannes, and we can talk more about
0: that. It's very next pretty week. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean they'll, they'll be throwing a, a little shindig here, as many different kinds of people do. And you know, Amazon itself has a party that they're building up to because they still have so many things that they have to show. The BFG will be so, uh, Disney's big shindig after that movie shows up, and I'm sure they have high hopes for that to play really well here.
1: But let's talk about the Jodie Foster movie. I really thought it was her best movie today. Monster. Well. That's, That's a director. Is that
0: a big statement right there? No, I don't know. she's
1: always made movies that I would give a B-plus for good, competent, well-made, well without done. going outside the box.
0: Well, but what is the box? I mean, The Beaver was a very unconventional character study. About, and she got a great performance yeah. out of
1: Mel. I've actually liked The Beaver. What I couldn't understand was how she could make a movie like that and put all that time and energy and effort into it and give it that title. Like, hello...
0: What were you thinking? Uh, well, from a commercial standpoint, it probably did well in VOD. You know, ranks higher. But uh, then the whole Crazy Mel thing happened around then anyway. It was Crazy it was Mel Part timing. 2 or something yeah. like that. So there's a lot of different factors that held that movie down. I don't know what to make of Jodie Foster as a filmmaker. I think Money Monster doesn't seem like it has a real director's imprint. It's a very slick studio production. It's a hostage drama that's trying to be contemporary, although... A lot of what it's doing with Clunius' is uh, Jim Cramer esque stock market predictor feels a little stale to me, to be honest. A it lot really of the, didn't bother me. the Occupy Wall Street aggression is maybe a few years old in that respect. But is it, outside of that, it was a few that, years
1: old when, with The Big Short too. But
0: tonally, I couldn't quite figure this movie out. From a satiric standpoint, it's a little thin. But if you don't, if you put the satire element aside, this I don't idea. Think it of, has a so satire okay, so let's element. say it's not satire. It's it's just pure it's suspense. Str- it's
1: more like The Inside Man or or. Uh... But the inside,
0: um, man, I do find to be uh, much more uh, vibrant. Filmed. Yeah, despite it, so. it's got that great New York humor to it in, in certain ways. I, I didn't think this was clever enough. Maybe it's more of a screenplay problem. I, I, I'm, I don't want to dish on it too much because I do think that it, it's well made. I actually think it it's going to do along. well. I
1: think it's going to fit a certain niche in the market that isn't getting fed. What is it? Very niche? much the adult movie goer who wants a good time at a good solid commercial entertainment—it's not an art film. It shouldn't be, you know, considered something that would be in competition. It's a commercial Hollywood movie with some uh, meat on its bones.
0: But I'm not going to give it a pass because of that. <laughs> well, I like the Woody Allen. Why Island is anymore. it in
1: can? It's in can because it's a marketing launch for the whole world. Of course, that's why it's in Cannes. Studio relationships and you've got huge so. movie stars going up the sure. red carpet and gotta all have that George. stuff. Uh, so it's certainly it. fulfilled. Those can quotients, as many films have in the past. Yeah. But I don't think it should be slop- slagged because it's not, you know, an art film.
0: Okay, but Give it I'm what a it, can, it's, so... It's, 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 ca-
1: yes, you are, but it can is what it is.
0: Yeah, well, this morning I saw this mo- this movie from Alan Girardi, which I know you didn't see, but uh, but I have to say it's, it's worth noting that it's the other end of the spectrum. A competition film, uh, it's called... Uh, now, now the, the title is escaping me because uh, it's been hours and hours since I last saw it.
1: Vertical. For,
0: ah, thank you. Uh, staying vertical. Thank you. Uh, I, I, in my mind, I was thinking something with an R because rest or vertical is a, is a French title and that's how they listed on the schedule. the thing we should so. realize
1: while we're talking today is that I actually had a good night's sleep. Actually, I needed it so badly because I hadn't had a good night's sleep for like three nights. Sleep's overrated. You have not had a good night's because sleep. Because I'm in cinema mode.
0: Cinema doesn't work when you're asleep. You (laughs) are tired. But okay, so I forgot the title. Staying Vertical, you're going to hear more of it. I think somebody's going to take it out of this festival and give it a bit of a life. I'm not calling it a masterpiece, but it's got vision. Uh, Just like the way that it looks at this guy who's dealing with various elements of his repressed emotions and sexuality through a very dreamlike kind of process where he meets this woman in the middle of nowhere, kind of has a kid with her and she goes away and then he kind of has a relationship with her dad. It gets—it's pretty transgressive stuff, but it—but it's really well made. I mean, it's—I never knew where this movie was going.
1: Wasn't there so, someone in this movie who got fucked
0: to death? Yeah, it's a, a, a touch of a of a spoiler, so I won't go into too much more detail. But it involves a Pink Floyd song and uh, never would have predicted seeing something like that on film. Certainly not at eight thirty in the morning, which is a uniquely canned kind of experience. But I love that kind of stuff. I mean, it's not—it's not to say that you know th- this movie is pornographic per se. It's that this scene is there to some degree to have an effect on you, viscerally, in in many different kinds of ways. To the shock value, can be applied in different kinds of ways. That I think are creative and so today at and the for.
1: at the lunch at the Woody Allen lunch, down lunch down, lunch down at the lunch down at the car sitting there at the table as Woody and Kristen and all these people came through. And the word they, that one of them used to describe this movie it was that it was a queer movie. In the sense, not that it was a gay movie, but that it has a sensibility that is queer. We had an interesting conversation with Jesse Eisenberg about the distinction between gay and queer. Well,
0: he's not somebody I would really lean on for a clear distinction no, he was or... asking he was asking <laughs> oh, the
1: gay journalist he put it to, it to the journalist
0: that's very interesting well i think you know the challenge with these kinds of conversations is that they need to be applied to the right kinds of things to me it's like i'm not going to talk about a woody allen movie in those terms because Woody Allen is just so far removed from anything that seems to open itself up to that kind That's of That's true, meaning. for sure. So it just feels like we're you're. Ta-
1: we're just talking about vertical. Lim- lim-
0: staying vertical. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a it is a queer film. Uh, he's a, a gay filmmaker who I think is applying a queer gaze to certain ways of looking at society. Okay. So that. That counts for something. That's for probably from a commercial standpoint. There is also a market for that. That it's, is true. As much of a niche as it is. Is it
1: artfully arcane? Uh,
0: I think your label <laughs> might may indeed uh, apply in this case, which which is great because we'll He's have more, more listeners. It's it, well, that's say That's the test, isn't it? And then something like Son of Saul comes along like last year and it tops both of our top ten lists. So
1: we are capable of being on the same page.
0: So I saw Lazo Nemish. Last night at the opening dinner, he's actually the director of *Son of Saul*, who was here last year in competition. Now gets to just hang out and watch movies for ten days because he's on the jury. And I find the canned jury to be fascinating. Here you have, you know, Kirsten Dunst and George Miller is the president, and Mads Mikkelsen. I mean, it's like this Avengers dream team. It's a fantastic jury,
1: people. and yeah. then you have Arnaud Desplechin as well. Yeah. He could Flechens. hijack the whole thing with, with Nemish. They seem to be sort of in the same Yeah, universe. they give a certain, a
0: certain cinephile sensibility yeah. and they match it with and A-list talking, actors. And... Yeah,
1: and and then the, then you have the actresses, you know, Vanessa Parody, and it's they, so funny because they all talk about, they, oh, it's about emotion, and it's about, you know, feeling strongly, and you could sort of see how how the, the, the votes, but luckily Valeria Galina is also a director and she has a brain. Yeah.
0: You know. She, <laughs> well, hopefully they all have brains because they're going to come in handy over the next 10 days. Yeah. I mean, even though you can these just people, see how the
1: men are, are, I don't know how to explain it to you, they're dominant. Well,
0: don't forget George Miller is a, fe- a pretty well-known feminist at this point. He's got his, his street cred in that respect. So hopefully he'll apply the same approach he did with uh, Mad Max to the way that he runs this jury. So Jeff was is
1: very uh, artful at the jury uh panel, he, he, he praised, he said, the, the kinds of, they always ask the same question, what are you looking for in a competition right. winner, you know? And he goes, I want to see movies like Son of Saul and Mad Max, you know?
0: Womp, womp. Or, just uh, get another <laughs> good side early so they don't with, really change throats. And managed
1: to say, I want to see movies that make me believe in the future of cinema, you know? The, yeah,
0: whatever, I'd just be like, I'll, I'll know when I see it, you know? I mean, what... How can you possibly address a question like that? Because the the method by which these people are going to select a movie that is going could have a real effect on its life beyond this festival and the filmmaker's career is so arbitrary. I mean, it's just, who knows?
1: That was Nemish. Nemish actually said it's one of the most random things. You know, if we have this particular jury. If it were another jury, it could have a completely different. Outcome. And he's thinking about his own
0: experiences, because he could have won the Palm d'Or last year.
1: And then there was uh, Kirsten Dunst saying that if it weren't for Can, son of Saul, wouldn't have had the trajectory that it did. And thank God that Terry who who is absolutely uh, no tr- notorious for being conservative about anointing new auteurs, had the sense... To recognize that son of Saul, from a rookie for my first time, needed to be in the competition. Well, let's talk
0: about that for a second. Thierry Firmin does not exist in a vacuum, right? The director of, of Can is the face of Can in a lot of ways, but there is a programming community, and there are people, there are outside influencers who who are really playing critical roles. Saul
1: Maraval,
0: Vincent Maraval from Wild Bunch, for example. But all, it all could be somebody like
1: it could be somebody like Richard Klubeck, at UTA, I mean, it could right. be you know somebody like that ramming Southland tails down their throat, you know, before it was ready.
0: Right. Well, so this year UTA is repping David Mackenzie's film *Hell or High Water*, which I'm really excited Me to too. see. Me too. It's a western. Yeah. So the, the the thing that I really find intriguing about Cannes is that you have this competition and so much emphasis placed on it and. The media follows the narrative of the competition. Because it is one. And yet Even there's if Woody more. Allen
1: says the competition is bad. But
0: there is more beyond the ensemble regard stuff. The director's Fortnite. I mean, can turns the competition films into the rock stars. And the other ones are kind of like, you know, the crowd below or something. But there, there is a much more complex ecosystem than I think a lot of the press coverage suggests. Well, one of the
1: stories that we ran in... Uh, IndieWire, uh, which I read and, and approved of to a degree, I have slight quibbles with some of it, but just because uh, it has to do with the idea that the numbers and the math that, that Terry came up with to say that there were X number of, of women's pictures in the competition and in the selection. So are three, really three women
0: directors a, in competition that's the thing that I think gets people most round up.
1: So there's 21 competition films and the percentages, now he's saying, well that matches up with what the percentage is in real life. Well the truth of the matter is it doesn't.
0: Dude, your math sucks. Yeah. And also... And, and
1: independence in the, in the universe of independence they're a much higher proportion yeah. of women. It's a,
0: that's a horrible answer because it's just so, no matter what... It's I mean, not I our can, fault,
1: it's their fault. It's, yeah, it right. just,
0: you, you, you have to... It's talk. so
1: obvious that they've taken films over the years that totally like the bear last year was totally worthy of being in the competition in my opinion it's view. like opening night oh so just give it opening night that's a that's enough for that film that makes me mad
0: there is some kind of disconnect where I don't, I don't know if it's the culture or certain attitudes but something about the idea of a woman woman director it's like it's treated as an exotic concept even when they, even when they do make it into the limelight, I mean, so the last there's a I big want? when
1: they did check on on cinema. Jane Campion was the only woman. There she right. was with her beautiful white hair, the only woman in this room, full of men, and it represented winners of the Palme d'Or. Over right. the history right. of Cannes, and she was the one. She was the one. And, and you know, and in, and in our world, in Hollywood, Catherine Bigelow fulfills that, that function. You know, the one woman is, you know, along with the, you know, the others have been nominated, but the winner of the Oscar for Best Directing you know? Just one. And so, and so you have, you know, Alice Winokur, who had a terrific film last year that was in on Sautant Regard. I would have argued that Natalie Portman's movie, they put it in on Sautant Regard for a good reason, which was to protect her from what turned out to be fairly negative reviews. It's a
0: good point bringing up Winokur because she was just selected by uh, Film Society of Lincoln Center to be their filmmaker in residence this fall, and they've done that four years, and I believe three of them have been women. Fantastic. Nina Rachel Tsangari, uh, they had Ezra Arnold back
1: filmmakers. here. So, I mean, it,
0: it's, uh, it's one of those things where, even though it's exasperating to keep talking about this and the occasional obnoxious commentator services in an NY article to say we're being too PC, I do think that we have to continue to remind people that there are plenty of women filmmakers. There are plenty of all kinds of filmmakers, and an inclusive programming style should, is not going to come at the, the expense of quality. Because the uh, quality is definitely there, yeah. and that's something that a lot of people have been talking about all over the place.
1: And and could there be you know a, a, a little more hard work put in, toward finding where where the where these films are? I mean, when I was when I was in that we we talked about this when I when I was doing the program, the uh, jury for the AFI Fest, uh, the new. Um, it was the new auteur. Yeah, like yeah, that. we were on that together, and It was great. It was great. You and I did that together. We and gave it a vision was... prize to the tribe. That's right. Like and, that. and that wonderful uh, Mexican film I liked. Um, Gueros. Gueros. But anyway, there were, there were some great women filmmakers in yeah. that group. And there there are many of them all over the world. And somehow Ken isn't trawling nearly as aggressively as they might be.
0: I mean, it's also not showcasing virtual reality it hasn't created a tv section i mean it hasn't changed a lot of stuff there's something the sweet
1: about that actually the other film festivals have all jumped into it and this remains the pure you wrote about this the yep. pure the pure cinephile festival
0: which which i find also fascinating because from a business standpoint it's not wise per se to just focus on the feature length format i mean the movies and competition are disproportionately long A lot of them are over two hours or close to three, like they're really trying to prove their weight. Um, But it's also, it feels like it's a statement on what movies are in relation to these other kinds of related media that we talk to. How much currency is that going to have the more and more that TV becomes this dominant media, that other kinds of digital technologies impact how we watch things on the internet and so forth? I find
1: it lovely. I find find the old-fashioned uh, Verity's, I mean, Todd McCarthy, God forbid, I should mention the Hollywood reporter, uh, wrote a I story that, that was, that they had a great issue. I'm sorry. They just did. I mean, Variety did a great issue too. a can, you know, opening issue. And you is killing it. And yeah, we're killing it online <laughs> dudes. We're killing it. But they, uh, the, his piece was, you know, very sweet looking back on the sort of, you know, what it was like in the old days and, and how much of a smaller, uh, kind of intimate, accessible community it was. It is, it is, you know, even if we have really good access, it's not like it used to be. In the old days, imagine that you had to make all your appointments without an iPhone without a or, or or texting, or, or and, you know, these people can instantly reach you and tell you that the appointment that you slotted into your jigsaw puzzle of a schedule has got to be moved, right you know right and and so on and um, the instant
0: reactions to things right which can kill a movie too 140 characters can have an impact on how people decide whether or not they want to see a movie around here because our schedules are so crazy that it's sort of like oh there's another screening of this thing let me check twitter to see <laughs> if like anybody cared about it earlier today and then one person says it was lame and you're like i'm tired so, so let's
1: talk about the Ken Loach
0: yeah, Ken Loach. So Ken Loach said he was an retiring. Example. That was an example. of something back. where
1: everybody was telling us to see it, right? So
0: I, Daniel Blake, that's true. It screened earlier today, and we were trying to say, should we go to the later screening or not? I mean, Ken Loach. We've kitchen seen sink it we on
1: some and level, and we like him. And lo
0: and behold, we, we, we like have him. seen this movie, I think, in some ways before, but it's, it's one it of the best great. ones he's done in a while. It was great great i don't know i don't Cheer want
1: to know yeah, uh, she,
0: she did cry i can attest to I, I definitely <laughs>
1: did.
0: And it and you know, it's, it's about a sweet old guy basically trying to get his what, what i guess is basically You're more of a, of a, a clint calm.
1: eastwood type though not so sweet
0: well he's not too he's gritty he's
1: masculine he's masculine he's paternal he's a he's, he's a, to, he's a yeah. builder he's he's a guy who's been working his whole life and he's had a heart attack and he can't get a job. And it's all, it sort of, it reminded me a little bit of the last days of, of Mr. Lazarescu. What was that called?
0: Uh, yeah, well, that you, you nailed the it. The death The death of death Mr. Mr. Lazarescu Lazar from Christy Poo who has a movie in competition this year that's not nearly as accessible as, as this Ken Loach film. But, um,
1: or Mr. Lazarus. I loved that movie, The Death of Mr. Lazarus. Yeah, has, I think this is not a similar as, impact. This is not as textured It's about the system cinematic. grinding you down. Yeah, but
0: it, I mean, it's a Ken Loach movie. If you've seen Ken Loach movies, he, he's, he's great at finding actors. He's got a terrific writing partner, and, and the dialogue is very credible, um, and I And it's do effortless, think it's,
1: sort of smooth, accessible, accessible, lovely cotidian. It's, it's a way. little,
0: it's a little obvious, and it's and it's didactic. So I, I I'm not holding it against that per se, but like I was saying earlier, it's mean, kind proud. of like, yeah, when Nicholas Kristof writes a great op in the New York Times, he threads it into a narrative context, and I do feel to some degree this is what Loach does. It's almost like journalism through fictional storytelling I agree with that. on some level, and um, it's not. I don't think it's there. It isn't a drama. This is a bigger,
1: more accessible drama than, say, Jimmy's Hall.
0: Yeah, which which I liked, but I
1: knew no one would go see it.
0: It's funny because he said that was going to be his last movie, and now he's saying this is his last movie, and this is a better last
1: movie. How old is he for
0: real? 80-something or another. People can look it up, but he's been around a while.
1: On that note, we're going to go sleep. (laughs)
0: Supposedly. Once you get me going, you know I could just keep keep doing it. We could do a special edition. Speaking of which, We're we going are going to, to uh, We're gonna be at, the American, uh, at Pavilion. the American Pavilion. If you are in Cannes you can come on by on Wednesday at three p.m. We love
1: meeting come our on, listeners. Come on. We do.
0: Yeah, and especially here at Cannes where we can hear from people all over the world. That's right. Apparently, they're out there. It's fun, which is amazing, and we love to get heckled and asked uh, difficult questions. And
1: come on uh, by, give yeah, us a hard time.
0: Let's do it, and uh, we'll touch base then.